Well, this morning, I want to continue our series in Luke chapter 7. I want to read this story to you. To me, it's a challenge. We were singing about how great God's love is for us. And I think this morning's message is going to be a challenge of how great is our love to God. And here, uh, so let's read this in verse 36 of Luke chapter 7. It says, One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell at his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet, putting perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, replied Simon. We'll pause there. What a what an amazing moment that Jesus spoke to what he was thinking. Jesus is the greatest teacher ever of all time. He is the greatest one. Before this man spoke, he knew exactly what he wanted to say. Is there anyone like our Lord? Is there anybody who compares to our Savior? There is no one who compares to Him. A few weeks ago, I shared with you how we can build our faith on the evidence and substance that we find in God's Word. And I just want to offer to you today some more substance, some more evidence by telling you there has never been a greater teacher to walk this planet than Jesus Christ. You can learn from great teachers today. You can spend a lot of time learning from them. You can also learn from the great teachers of the past. You can read their books and gain great understanding. But in one moment with Jesus Christ, you can learn so, so, so much more than all from, from Him than from all of those other teachers. Because there is no one greater than Jesus. Because He not only He goes beyond information, He goes beyond our brains, and He touches our heart, He touches our soul, He touches our emotions. He comes into our life and He understands who we are and He knows what we are thinking. On the outside, we can look like we have it all together. On the outside, we can, and we can say things that make it, make it sound like we have it all together, like our life is going great. I know that's the common phrase that we give to each other. How are you doing today? Oh, fine. Doing great. It's a good day today. But Jesus sees past our words. He sees past our actions. And He understands what's in our heart. And He knows what, why we do what we do even before we do it. He knows us better than ourselves. And some of the sad realities of life is that you may really believe that you're fine. When you say that, you're probably really convinced, yeah, I am fine. Everything is perfect. I couldn't have a better day, a better life, a better family, a better job. It is all fine. And all of that might be true. But yet in our heart, our hearts are still broken. 
our hearts are still empty. There should still be a longing in our heart for more of Christ. If you have found great your ultimate satisfaction on this earth, then there is something that you haven't realized yet. There is something inside of you that is needing fixing. There is something inside of you that you need more than a job, more than money. There's something that you need more than food. It is Jesus Christ, and He understands it. He understands all of it. He understands your heart. He made it. He understands your mind. He created it. You've been fearfully and wonderfully made, and He knows all about you. He knows why you get mad. He knows why you get impatient. He knows why you get bored. He knows why you you, you get dissatisfied in life. He knows what makes you tired. He knows it all. He is the greatest teacher, and He alone will respond to you. He will love you. So today, if you really want to grow in life, if you want to become a better husband, if you want to become a better friend, if you want to become a better co-worker, a better business leader, then come to Jesus and let Him teach you His ways. Let Him teach you His Word. Let Him teach you what's inside of you. Let Him open up your heart and let Him come inside so that He can say, you know what? You need to work on this area. This is something you need healing from. I'm so glad that that teacher has come into my life. I know he has come into my life. And many of you here today can say the same thing. I'm not the same person I was five years ago. I wasn't the same person that Tom saw ten years ago or twelve years ago. I'm a different person because I've allowed that teacher to come into my life. And I've been very open about my life and will continue to be open about my life. And I know for me, the teacher came into my life because he saw a young man, the age of two to five, who lived alone somewhat. My dad slept, he worked midnights. My mom went back to work when I was two. My brother and sister were in school. So from the age of two to five, I was all alone. And God saw this a selfish spirit kind of develop in me. So my teacher knew exactly what I needed. He brought me a beautiful wife who was a total opposite. She grew up in seven, she was the middle of seven kids, and her family, they had people, another family, always living with them. I mean literally always living with them. So she had no time to be selfish. And God brought her into my life to work into my heart and, and to work into me, to break down that selfish attitude, that me-first mentality. I didn't have to worry about playing with other kids. I just played with my toys, and I was just fine. That's just the way I wanted it. I didn't need that. Uh, you know, I still, to this day, I remember this one day. I'll never forget my dad running out, out of the house. I, was, I had walked over to the neighbor's house, and there was an older couple, and he had Cracker Jack boxes. So you better believe one day I went over there, and I remember seeing my dad running out of there and looking for me frantically. Because I was fine being alone. I was fine doing my thing. I had no problems. But God wanted to break that down in my life. And I could have thought for many years that I'm fine. I'm a good person. I haven't broken the law. I'm studying to be a pastor. I'm fine. But it was the teacher that began to reveal that selfish attitude in me. And it was moments with my wife that I realized that friction or that disagreement was actually the teacher working in me. And my, my, my focus might have been her early in my marriage, but now I understand, no, God, you're working in my life. 
that frustration I'm feeling is not her problem. That frustration I'm feeling is my problem. And I know you're working in my life. So I want to encourage you today, quit getting mad at your, your spouse. Quit getting mad at your boss. Quit getting frustrated with your coworkers. It's not your neighbor that's causing you your problems. It's the person in the mirror. And the teacher is working in your life. He knows what you need. He knows those edges that need to be, that need to be you know, filed down. He knows that that person's going to come and they're going to kind of work you a little bit. But that's good for you. That's good. And, and the teacher is going to come and he's going to work in your life. And the same is true for Simon. Simon is an interesting character. According to Matthew chapter 26 and Mark chapter 14, he was known as Simon the leper. So at a certain point in Simon's life, he had leprosy. And let me just quickly remind you, I'm sure most of you understand that leprosy was a disease that kept people out of the city. You weren't allowed to live there. You had to live on the outskirts. You couldn't hang out with us. You couldn't be around us. Your disease, if you got near to us, we would capture it, and we didn't want that. So you were kept far, far away. So Simon knew the pain of isolation. He knew the lack of love in his life. He understood being pushed out by society. And yet one day, he's healed. One day, his life has changed. One day, all of that is gone. And one day, he leaves the outskirts of the city, and he's invited into the city. And he becomes a Pharisee. And that kind of makes sense. That here's a person. It was the ultimate rags-to-riches story. Because he was on the outskirts, and now he's with the elite, the religious elite. And so he comes inside, and he comes to be a part uh, of this group of religious people. And the Pharisees, they were the ones who made sure everybody, everybody followed the law. This is the law, and this is how you follow it. And so at first it makes sense. He, he probably was very grateful. Lord, thank you for healing me of leprosy. I'm going to do, let me find the most extreme group out there. I'm going to be a part of that group. And I'm going to show how much I love God. And I'm so grateful to God. And so it becomes a part of the Pharisees. And the Spirit jumps on him. That somehow in his mind, he thought it was his good works that kept him clean. It was Obeying the rules. It was going down the checklist and checking it up. Oh, yeah, this is what's going to keep me clean. This is, what's, this is what makes me whole. And somehow in, in his heart and in his mind, he figured it out that if he became self-righteous, he'll never go back to the dump heap. He'll never go back to living that lifestyle. Man, I can't believe I was that type of person. Now I'm following the rules, and now I'm clean. Now I know how to stay clean. Now I know how to avoid that sickness. I, I'm never going back to that lifestyle. I'm going to make sure my life stays clean. And it was this self-righteous attitude that we see. Now, obviously, Simon, he's interested in Jesus because he's healing people. He was healed. I've got to spend time with Jesus. I've got to have him over. I've got to i got to know more about this. I was healed. Lord, tell me more. And so Jesus comes into his home. And, and the teacher, again, the teacher who understands all things, saw past the robes, saw past the smile, saw past the nice home, and he 
saw that there was something inside Simon that wasn't good, that wasn't pleasing to God. Oh, sure, you're following all the rules. You're doing everything that you should be doing according to the law, but there's something in your heart, and it's not right, and it's not going to let the love of God come into your heart, and you're not going to, uh, that's not going to let the love of God come out of your life. And so this woman comes into Simon's house. Simon begins to think he's disgusted by this woman. He's disgusted by her. It's, a, it's an amazing thing to me when I'm thinking about Simon, who maybe has it all together. And he's looking at this woman, and, he, and he's a former leper, and he knows touch can bring about sickness. This, what, what kind of sickness does this woman have? Obviously, she doesn't have leprosy, but she's a, she's a sinful woman. She's an immoral woman, so she might be carrying things that, are, that could be passed on. Doesn't the prophet know that? Doesn't Jesus know that? Doesn't he know that if he touches her, that he allows her to touch to touch him? Doesn't he know that that's going to potentially endanger him? Doesn't he know that? But Simon doesn't know the power of God yet. He doesn't know the love of God yet. Because when we touch God, we don't bring God down. God brings us up. We don't ruin Christ when we touch Him. No, no, He comes and He ruins us in a good way. It's His love that comes into our life. He is the greater, and He is the greater one. And when we come into His presence, we are changed. He's not changed. He's not, he's not in danger of us touching Him. Oh, no, it's our life that will be changed. He doesn't understand yet. He doesn't understand, but... Jesus understands he's got an issue, so he tells him this story. Let's continue to read in Luke 41 now, same chapter, Luke 7, verse 41. So then Jesus tells him, told him his, this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one, and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. But when... but. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one from whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time, uh, from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little, shows only a little love. What happened to Simon? What happened to the gratitude? What happened to, thank you, God, for healing me? I'm no longer in a dump heap. What happened to, man, I can't believe I'm... I can't believe I have this house now. I can't believe I can have people over to eat now. I can't believe people want to be around me now. I can't believe I don't have to shout, unclean, unclean, because that's what he would have to do when he would 
walk around people. I can't believe this. What happened to Simon? Simon forgot what God did for him. Simon forgot. He forgot where he came from. He forgot that pain of being alone and of crying all by himself. He forgot that lack of love. He forgot isolation. He forgot those moments when he was all alone crying out to God, God, would you help me? Would you heal me? Would you help me, God? And God answered that prayer, and he healed them. And somehow, because he was obeying the law, and he had his life cleaned up, he forgot what that was like. Have you forgotten your life before Christ? Have you forgotten what you, what you used to do before Jesus came in and the teacher started working in your life? Have you forgotten where you were at? Have you forgotten what he's done for you? And, and I, Jesus makes the point, this woman has done many sins. And so for some of us, we're like, oh, man, not, not me. I don't have many sins. But you don't truly understand that all sin, the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So you don't have to be a murderer. You don't have to be an immoral woman to recognize that God has lavished his love. You don't have to be that person to understand how great is his love. Can I stand up for Jesus for hours? Yes, because his love is great. Can I raise my hands to Jesus? Yes, his love is great. I, I know I'm tired. I know I could be taking a nap, and I know I'm preaching to the choir because they're here. But again, just be encouraged today that no matter what you're going through, He is still worthy to be praised because His love is great. Don't ever fall into the trap of Simon that be, just because your life looks good and, and, you, and everything is put together and you smile and you laugh and you have a beautiful home and you have a beautiful family and you have cars to drive here to church. Don't ever mistake that it's God's mercy and it's God's grace that gave you all of that. It's His love. It's, it's His mercy. Jesus bore it on the cross. It was what He did on the cross. And it's people like Tom and Jen that said, you know what? I know it's God who gave me all of that. So God, and I've seen it. I know many missionaries. We're going to sell our home. We're going to sell our furniture. We're going to sell our cars. We're going to give up our job. We're going to give up security because of His great love. And we need to tell other people about it. They haven't forgotten. They didn't forget. They knew exactly where they came from. They knew it all. Their blessings had come from God. And I want to encourage you today, don't ever forget what God has done for you. Don't ever forget what He's forgiven you of. Don't ever forget what He did on the cross for you. This woman knew exactly. She knew her life. She knew she didn't deserve that mercy and that grace. She knew her life was a mess until she met Jesus. And he proclaimed a message of forgiveness to her, a message of hope to her, a message of restoration, that you can be forgiven. You've been immoral. You've made a mess of your life, but you can change your life. You don't have to live in that past. You don't have to live in that agony. You don't have to give yourself over to this, this world to abuse you, to get money. You don't have to live that way. You can come and you can know the way, the truth, and the life. And it was that message that brought this woman into that home that day. She knew exactly what she saw in front of her. She saw love, the 
she saw forgiveness for the first time. She saw hope. She saw peace. She proves to us today that grateful people are giving people. And that's what she did. She was so grateful, she had to go into that room. And I guarantee you, she knew exactly what was going to happen. People were going to be staring at her, exactly what Simon was doing. You know, you don't have to be the great teacher to see what people are thinking sometimes, right? I, you know, you, I, I remember learning that 80% of communication is nonverbal. Wow, you know, it still amazes me. You know, I'm pretty sure that's pretty accurate. 80% of communication is nonverbal. So, obviously, nobody was saying anything to this woman, but she was hearing them loud and clear. That woman disgusted Simon. She said, what is going on? Why is he letting her touch the disciples? What is she doing? Why is, why, why is she wasting that perfume? And we see this attitude, and you know she was hearing it, but she knew that she was going to get the looks. She knew she was going to get the stares, but it didn't matter to her. She needed to worship Jesus. She needed to thank Him. She, her heart was filled with gratitude. And I know in this church, this church is filled with grateful people. We can walk downstairs right now, and we can see grateful people because they're giving their time and they're giving their talents to our children. We could walk around and we could see a, a security guard who is grateful. I'm grateful that we have a security team and there's a man every Sunday who is grateful and they're going around serving when nobody else knows. I love the people in the sound booth who don't care if anybody ever notices them or sees them. They, they're just grateful that they can serve and give back. They're grateful. There's something else I just wanted to share with you. I haven't talked much about this, but it is so important. And it, would, it, would be, um, it wouldn't be loving of me to continue to go on here without talking about this. I've mentioned it in passing, but I just wanted to spend just a minute or two on this. But tithing, tithing is a sign of grateful people. Most of you understand the biblical principle of giving 10% of your income to God. It's been happening for thousands of years. And I remember my parents took me. I had the first, my first job. My first job was a penny saver passing out the Jolly Shopper. Anybody know about the Jolly Shopper? No? Okay, all right. I used to pass out. It was once a week, so I only made $12 a week. And my mom can verify this. I gave $1.20 to my church and 80 cents to missions. And I never, I've never stopped tithing since. Because I've understood that whatever God gives to me is from Him. It's not mine. It's not mine. I don't hold on to it. I'm so glad I had a moment with God before Alexandra was ever born. Because I understood she wasn't mine. I'm a steward of her life. So if God takes her, He takes her. She's his. She's not mine. I hold on to her, and I love her, and I care for her, but she belongs to God. And he does what he wants with her. And tithing is that very principle. This money is not my money. This isn't mine. I'm not over here, you know, you know bringing the chips in and saying, you know, like I, 
Nobody looked. This was mine. This was, I've worked for this. I've earned this. I had the idea. I had the agenda. I had the strategy. This was my college education that got this job, and this is my money. No, tithing helps us to understand. No, 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 no. The Bible says it's God who gives us the ability to produce things. God is the God is the one who gave you that those hands to work. He's given you the mind to use at your job. He's given you peace so that you can do your best at your job. He's given you hope so that even if it's a bad day, you're still making your boss happy. He's given you all of that. None of that has come from you. It's come. All of it has come from God. And sometimes people don't understand why you give money to a church. People just use it, and that's true. I, I, I tithe to the Assemblies of God, and people just use it. That's true. But listen to this version of this story, because people are not always going to understand it. But in Matthew's version, and his version is found in chapter 26, verse 6. Let me just read that version to you. It says, Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume and poured it over his head. The disciples were indignant when they saw this. What a waste, they said. It could have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, replied, Why criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. She has poured this perfume on me to prepare me for my burial. I know people are always going to understand why you give money to God. People aren't going to understand why you give your time to God. People aren't going to understand why you give your life to God. But we don't give to God because we're trying to help people to understand us. We give to God because He loves us and He invites us to live a life of generosity because we have been changed, because we have been transformed, because God has touched our life. He's allowed us to touch Him. That's why we give. That's why we give. Because when everybody's staring at us and looking at us, Jesus is saying, come in. Come in, come in, come in. I want you to come in. I want you to come into my presence. I want to know who you are. I want to know why you do what you do. I want to spend time with you. That's why we give. That's why I, we have no problem giving. That's why I have no problem giving anything to the Lord, because it all comes from Him. And grateful people are giving people. Grateful people are giving people. Let me just share one more thought with you. I had to ask myself a question. How did this woman get in the house? I mean, Simon was obviously disgusted with her. He didn't want her in the house. But what you have to understand is Simon was a rule follower. And according to the rules in, in uh, Moses' law, you had to allow people who were less fortunate than you to eat your leftovers at such occasions. So it was a rule. And Simon knew the rule. He knew as soon as a woman walked in, he's like, say anything. I can't stop her. She has to, I have to let her in. You know, sorry guys, she's coming in. That's how she got in. But what was interesting to me was that this woman 
She used that her right to come into that home, but she didn't use her rights to feed her stomach. She didn't use her rights to nourish her body. She didn't use her rights to help herself. She didn't use her rights to fulfill her agenda. She used her rights to give her very best to somebody else. Jesus said she, she's poured rare perfume, and he wasn't talking about the literal per, perfume. He was talking about her heart. A rare heart. Turn on the TV this afternoon and see if you can find people who are using their rights to give to others. What are we clamoring our, about our rights for? Are we clamoring... We want what we want because we want to help others? Or is our society or is our world, and sometimes myself included, we're clamoring for our rights because I need more money. I need more help. I deserve this. I've worked hard for this. I need, I need, I need. My family needs. We need. And there's people all around us who are fighting to get their rights so that they can have what they want to have. But I want to be people with a rare perfume in our society. I want to walk around that's a little that's different. I want people to say, there's something different about you. You're not clamoring to get your way to help yourself. You're clamoring to get your way to help somebody else. That's unique. I don't see that too often. I want to be that person who walks into the room and there's this smell about them. It's like, that's, a, that's, that's rare. I haven't smelled that before. I haven't seen that in a long time. Not since my grandmother. Not since my grandfather. I've never seen anybody do that. I don't get that. Why did you just do that? Don't you know they said that to you? Don't you know they've been talking about you? Don't, they, don't you know that they don't like you? Why are you serving them? Why are you kind to them? Why are you compassionate? Why aren't you fighting back? Because we have a rare perfume. Because... We touch Jesus, and my life is no longer the same. It's no longer the same. I'm going to invite this worship team to come back this morning. We're no longer the same. Jesus has touched our life. I can't help to be, but be generous. I can't help but to give. I can't help but to forgive. I can't help to trust people again. I can't help but to give again. I can't help it. God's done it for me. He's blessed me. He's given to me. I don't deserve any of it. I don't deserve it. It's a generous attitude. It's an attitude that says, Lord, it's all about you. It's all about you. God, may we never become like Simon. May we never have a self-righteous attitude. May we never have an attitude that says, really? That guy's coming in again. Let's stay away from her. Let's be like Jesus. Say, come on, come in. You must be hurting. Come in. You can come into my life. And of course, use wisdom. <laughs> Not asking anybody to be unwise. I still don't give money to panhandlers. Use wisdom. But most of all, use love. I will tell you this every time I see one, I say, God, anything else I can do for them but to pray for them. We have to be ready. We have to be ready with our wisdom and with our love. Would you stand this morning, Lord? We love you. We thank you. Thank you, God, for those online. 
I pray, oh God, as we we touch your presence, as we touch your goodness, as we touch your love and kindness, that our lives would be transformed, that today we would know and recognize who we are and what we have is because of you, Lord. Help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. Thank you.